Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Broad Eye uh, podcast. I am uh, Dr. Bruno Fernandez, and today I have the pleasure of having Dagmar Jamison uh, with me. And uh, we have so much to talk about. So, without any further ado, uh, Dagmar, how's it going today? Let's get this party started. Well, it's a beautiful day. The sun is coming out here in Calgary. And um, yeah, I, I am honored to have the opportunity to interview with you, Bruno, and and um, looking forward to it. All right. So you're in Calgary, right? So you were born and raised? No, I was born and raised in the Czech Republic. And my parents left Czechoslovakia during the Prague Spring. At that time, I was eight years old. Everything was a mystery to me. <laughs> I didn't understand politics, but I did understand that we were leaving my grandmother, my family, my friends. And I didn't discover that until we were in Austria. So it was a bit of a shock for me at that time. However, in hindsight, as my relatives explained to me, the situation in the Czech Republic was was quite backward as far as um, ad, ad, adversity and blindness. And so it was a good thing that my parents brought me to Canada because the whole world opened up to me. I wasn't blind when we came to Canada, but the onset of my visual impairment started when I was 13 years old. Had I stayed in the Czech Republic, I would have been put in a home where, where I would have been um, segregated from society and not had the opportunity to integrate as I do here in Canada. I, I, am, I live my life as any other individual and have never let blindness get in my way or identify me in any way until just recently in my as I aged I had to accept the fact that my sight is at the point where I, I need to tell people that something is wrong and, and I need a little bit of assistance and how I mean you you mentioned those homes uh for the blind in, in the Czech Republic like what exactly are those? Are, are, are those like schools that, uh, that they give support so the blind can, can learn uh, skills and, and live with their uh, disabilities? Well, I'm not sure. My mm. aunt described it very briefly to mm. me because she was going to a masseuse that was blind. So most blind people would then be encouraged to become masseuses. Yeah any sort of, uh, you know, career or, or basic skills that would help them navigate a cane. And, and, um, and so it's kind of sad because I don't know any blind people in the Czech Republic that have become PhDs like Sean or yeah. have done phenomenal things, which is, is quite sad. And so I feel very grateful that I am here in Canada. Yeah, so that's that's something that we heard already for a lot of people with with uh, uh, visual problems. Like when when they search for help for places like that, they they usually put them in the box, and then, and it's very limiting on the options that they they tell that they could do 
you know, like, and they, they kind of like don't explore like all the potentials and you know, only like that they have. Mm -hmm. And then like, I mean, you, people like you are, are continu I mean, continuously to prove us or, or them wrong, right? Like, I mean, of showing all the things that you can accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, uh, I mean, we, we we haven't talked about your specific disease yet, so let let's make it clear for for audience like what exactly do you have, you know, and then what are the symptoms that that you have. So initially, I was diagnosed with macular degeneration. Back in those days, they didn't really know that much. Then Dr. McDonald diagnosed me to have Stargardt's, mm -hmm. and later on, he he. Um, sent me for some genetic counseling and my condition is identified as Conrad dystrophy. Mm. So I have been losing my central vision and now even my peripheral vision is starting to deteriorate. However, I seem to adjust and adapt and, and I function well. I, I seem to not let that get in my way. I don't even focus on my condition. I don't think about it. I just put, I just focus on what I am capable of doing and, and um, <clears throat> I figure it out. And at what age you were considered legally blind? So at the age of 13, mm -hmm. when I went back to school in at grade six, After the summer holidays, I didn't notice anything. And then when I sat at the back of the school with all my friends, I realized that the teacher's face was somewhat blurry and I can't see the blackboard really clearly. So my mother took me to the optometrist who then said, I have a serious problem. So we went to see the ophthalmologists and It was a shocking realization when the ophthalmologist told me that I was going to lose my sight. And it was it evolved pretty quick, I suppose. I suppose because mm -hmm. I didn't notice any any changes earlier. I, I mm -hmm. and even when I was diagnosed, initially it struck me as a devastating fact. However, I realize that I can still ride my bicycle. I can still walk to school. I can still play sports. Perhaps playing baseball wasn't the best um, sport for me. I didn't see the ball way out in the field. I could hit the ball, I could run, but when people were throwing the ball to me, it was quite a challenge to catch it. Mm -hmm. And so I decided baseball is not my thing, but I learned to dance and figure skate and, and I developed other passions like downhill skiing and, and I had no problem participating in those sports at that time. And actually for many years after that. And so I pretended that I didn't have any issues. My And close, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, my closest <laughs> friends, um, uh, I shared the, the secret with. I told them that I can't see the blackboard. So a lot of my closest friends 
stepped up to help until the teachers stood me out and pointed out that there is assistance that they could aid me with. And when they gave me binoculars to read the blackboard, as a teenager, mm. I did not accept that very well. Yeah, like it's a, it definitely stands out, right? And like teenagers yeah. can be cruel at times. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's important also, like to make a distinction here, because like when we say legally blind, like people that are not not familiar with the field, like assume that you don't see anything at all, that you you live in total darkness. But like each cause of 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 of, of blindness is is unique and very rare. That you know, like I mean, it's it's a total darkness. So in your case. The, the central vision was impaired, but your peripheral vision was was fairly normal, right? Mm-hmm. So that that kind of like, although it's hard to read or identify faces, it is it is relatively easy for you to navigate and walk and you know like I mean see your your surroundings and and and, and adapt to the limitation. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to bring up today, sort of like touched on already, like I mean, so how you 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 came out with your with your condition. You said that initially you shared that only with your close friends, and and then eventually you know like more people came to know about that, you know, particularly the 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 teachers. And how was that transition? You know, like I mean, once once your not so close friends like uh, realized that that you had that like did people change like the way they treated you well as life went on i i started um i became a hairstylist and um i had no no problem uh, designing people's hairstyles and and uh then i opened up my own salon later on my staff realized that I had some issues. So they were there to help me. And, and um, eventually I transitioned to managing the salon. Some, some of my clients recognized it. I then met my ex-husband who for two months didn't realize I had a visual impairment. And one day he made a comment where I stopped him. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I don't see I am visually impaired and, um, and he was quite shocked. And so he, he said, well, I would have never known. And um, for a period of time, I, I asked him to not share the secret, but, but of course, to keep me safe, um, I asked him to be considerate of it. I wanted to be just like everybody else. And I wanted to ease into letting others know that I had a visual impairment. So I was very stuck on this image that I had to be perfect, which in my, in the end, that was a mistake. And I wish I had come out a lot earlier. However, one day, um, one of my husband's friends came up to, to him and said, you know, I don't know why Dagmar doesn't respond when I wave at her across the street or she seems to walk by me um, in the club you know is is there something wrong and so my husband spoke to me and said well these are the comments I'm getting from people 
So I took a deep breath and I thought, okay, well, I need to face this and let people know. And everybody said, oh my God, she copes so well. We would have never known that she has a visual impairment. We thought it was something else. Some people have facial recognition issues and, and so on. They saw me figure skating on the ice. They saw me playing sports. Perhaps badminton wasn't my best sport, but I could hit the, the, the birdie. And <laughs> sometimes people would say, you know, hit the bird, hit the bird. And, <laughs> and, and I wouldn't hit it as efficiently or effectively as everybody else. But I took some lessons and I, I became somewhat um, good at it because I was very athletic. And, and I, I like to overcome every challenge I faced. So when I came out and told my friends, it, it was such a relief how many people stepped up to help. And even today, people walk up to me um, at the sports facility that I, that I go to and they, they you know, say, here's my arm, let me walk you to the yoga studio. You know, what equipment are you looking for? And, and I feel like, like royalty. I, I feel like a first-class citizen because everybody is catering to me. And it's, it's just so, so nice. I wished I had um, shared that much earlier. And you, you, you seem to be a very active person. You mentioned already like some of the sports that you like practicing. Uh, so figure skating, like yoga now. So what else keeps you busy? Well, my husband and I, we, we ride our tandem bike and we hike. I love hiking, even though it is difficult. I've, I hiked fairly um, challenging mountains here in Alberta. In Canmore, there is a, a mountain called, or a trail called Lady McDonald. That is quite a challenge. It's quite steep. I get quite jealous when people you know, run by me and they're hopping from stone to stone. And if I could see that, those stones, it would be much easier because I am very fit. But I am determined to get up to the top of the mountain. My husband's not as fit as me because he's a cybersecurity technologist and he sits at his computer all the time. But I get him out and he's very grateful. And we make it to the top of the mountain because I'm very determined to. Hmm. He would like to turn back, but but I like to get to the top. I like to achieve things. Yeah, we. I mean, we had the pleasure to chat with uh, Randy Pierce, like in our show already. Like his episode is, is published. You know, it's been, been maybe a year or so, and he's, uh, he's he's completely blind and he's a hiker, and mm -hmm. then uh, in the here in the in the northeast and all of you asked and he, he, he loved doing so uh it's, it's, a, it's a very inspiring uh chat that we had as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh so from from a professional standpoint like you 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 mentioned that you you had your own uh hair salon so you had that entrepreneurial spirit that you know, like didn't get affected by you know, your disability. We we had the we had the chance to chat a bit like before we started recording. And then we mentioned how like sometimes uh, uh, 
what it's offered you know as as uh, professional opportunities for people with uh, uh, visual problems is is quite limited and and you know people like you keeps proving us wrong so uh, like uh, two questions then like i mean one it's like have you have you had that kind of uh 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 problem i would say you know like i mean people suggesting uh things mm -hmm. that you could do and then things that you shouldn't even bother trying uh mm -hmm. and then the follow-up questions is what exactly have you end up like accomplished like throughout your life like professionally wise well when i was a teenager and i was in high school guidance counselors would say to me dagmar your sight is going to deteriorate it would be best if you would become a counselor, a social worker, uh, you know, perhaps a psychologist. And that was something that was not in my cards initially. My, my passion was in design. I, I liked being a fashionable teenager. I loved, I had a vision for, for interior design. I wanted to get into interior design. However, I saw the limitations uh, much, much more, um, I couldn't drive. And, and so the limitations there were showing their, their face. And so I thought becoming a hairstylist gave me that outlet of, of um, fashion and, and design and, and things that, that really touched my spirit at the time. While being a stylist, I realized that people had a lot of um, psychological issues. And as I overcame my disability, I, I realized that I overcame challenges because I had to shift my mindset about who I was. And so then later on in my life, I realized that that is something that I could um, I could be very passionate about is helping people overcome their their um, challenges. But prior to that, my husband and I designed our we built a home. I did the design when my contractor and an architect realized that I had a visual impairment. They, they took a huge step back and started protecting me. And I set them straight. I, I told them that I'm excellent at visualizing things, that I know exactly what I want. And, and I told them how the des I, I designed the, um, the entire home. It was a very expensive home. And my husband had no fear and no doubt in, in my abilities. So he gave me the full go ahead. And I told the contractors and the architects that if we make mistakes, we pay for them. So, so to listen to me. In the end, they congratulated me. The architect said that was the fastest design um, that um, he accomplished ever with a client. Because when I get a vision, I know I, I, my dis, I'm, I'm a very quick decision maker. And so that home was sold eventually for a lot of money. It was put in a design um, magazine, magazine and, mm -hmm. and um, 
it was uh, displayed in a charitable um, tour. And so, so I am very confident in what I visualize. And it's, it's an interesting phenomena because people can't imagine how I do that. But I guess because I had sight before, or my sight was fairly good before, I would walk into a room and I would think, hmm, if they move that coach over there and if it was a different color, it would get a totally different uh, um, feel and it would be more pleasing to the eye. So I had that talent right from the get-go. So later on in my life, as I started to lose my sight, I would work with a designer and I would ask them, well, tell me what can be done. Let's share some ideas. And then I would reflect and say, no, this is what I, I think it should be. It should be that height. It should be this color. It should be this prominent and um, spatial acuity. I was very good at. So, but it is a continuous challenge because of course I'm, you know, I'm losing my sight um, continuously and, and people find it difficult to, to trust and believe me. So, but I put my foot down and, and um, I, I am doing it for myself. So nobody has to, uh, you know, um, validate that. Yeah. So, so, and then this is where Dr. Kennedy in one of your podcasts <laughs> inspired me because I do believe that, that blind people, that's how we navigate the world is through visualization. I noticed that in my home, when I walk around, I appear like I'm totally sighted because I know where everything is. And it's, it's like I have a map in my head. As soon as I or somebody moves a piece of furniture, I crash into it. And then I said, oh, right, I moved it or it got moved. And, and so, um, but in my head, I have this picture of where I'm going and, and what it looks like. And, and so I, I think that's how blind people, or at least that's how I navigate the world. And, I, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just, I was just uh, wondering, like, what, uh, what tools, like, I mean, do you use to help? Because technology has really come a long way uh, to, to, to help, like, people with visual disabilities. So I was wondering if you use any. I do. And I use the GPS when I'm out in the, you know, looking for, when I go out on my own or, or I travel, I've traveled by myself and I just use the GPS to navigate the streets. And, um, and it's fascinating. It's, it's such a feeling of independence and other people step in. I've, I've gone on tour buses or tours. I was in LA one time. And um, when I got off the bus, I realized there's a hundred other buses. And I thought, oh my goodness, how am I going to find the right mm -hmm. bus? And so I went up to the um, driver and I said, I have a bit of a visual impairment. When I come back, would you mind 
spotting me and making sure that I get on the right bus to get back to my hotel. And, and in five minutes, there was a couple that overheard this. And um, so I met this family from Mauritius. I'm still in contact with them. Intuitively, I felt they were really nice people. The son was studying to be a cardiologist at Harvard and um, the parents were with them and they were touring LA and we developed a great friendship and they were quite fascinated with the fact that I was blind and yet I was brave enough to travel on my own. And so there are a lot of wonderful people in the world. However, I do, I, I am very careful because on the other hand, there are some people that would take advantage of a blind person. And I have been, you know, once or twice, knock on wood, not many times, but I walked into a um, building, I was looking for a, um, an office, and I walked up to a security guard, and I said, I am here to find such and such company, I believe they're on floor 23. And could you guide me to the right elevators and, and take me to the, that office. Well, he did take me to the right floor, but he started walking me into the right office. At that time, I had enough sight and I realized that that office was empty. And I said, I don't believe um, this, this company is in an empty office. So why are you taking me here? And I backed off and um, my, uh, uh, the, the CEO of the company walked out at that time. And he said, Dagmar, you need to come here. And so that, you know, he recognized what that security guard was doing. And um, I hope he reported him. But so sometimes, yeah, you know, you have to be very careful when you disclose that you need help. And I believe I started to get that feeling from him. And so I, I my, um, my antenna <laughs> detected something wasn't right. And, and I really listened to that. That's scary. It, it is, uh, but, you know, that's life. I mean, it can happen to anybody. It can happen to mm -hmm. somebody that isn't blind. So it's really important to always be careful of who you trust when you ask for directions or, or help. Mm -hmm. So that's a lesson for, for everybody. Yeah. So that's a, a lesson that you learn among uh, many others. And uh, I, I, I believe this is probably one of the things that you share with your uh, students, I guess, right? Because now you, you, you also work as a, as a, as a life coach, you know, like I mean, sharing with your knowledge and your experiences and, and, and trying to empower others. So can you, can you talk to us a bit about that? Like what exactly is your clientele? Is it like only people with visual disabilities or do you serve as a life coach to anybody? No, I serve as a life coach to a variety of individuals, any, anywhere from teenagers to, to adults. And my approach is a contemplative Buddhist approach where I try to help people shift their mindset to, to being more compassionate and looking at the world from a more positive um, outlook. 
I've had like an example. I had a young teenager who seemed very impatient and angry and always, you know, complaining about, about his, his job and how, how he hates it. Or when he's driving, people are cutting him off. People are so stupid. <laughs> so, sounds, sounds like a classic teenager. <laughs> and it is, but I, I suggested to him in, you know, this instance, I said, well, why don't you look at this, the, you take the approach that the drivers that appear so stupid and, and um, reckless to you, what if that driver is, is driving to the hospital because it, um, their child was sick or, you know, somebody they knew was in the hospital or there was an urgency as to why they were driving the way they were and, you know, have compassion for them. Would that help you gain a little bit of patience when you're driving? Why jump to the conclusion that these people are reckless, inconsiderate? And so I feel the rest of life, in life, we always tend to blame and shame and judge people. And if we take a different uh, consideration or perspective that 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 person might be going through something very difficult and how can we help them? So as a driver, you know, maybe hold back and let them go ahead of you. What, what's it going to cost you? Three minutes of your time. And, you know, it's, it's a, um, so many situations in life, so many things we face can, can be um, resolved with, with um, being considerate in what's going on for the other person. I also did a uh, conflict resolution mediation certification and, and there too, we were taught that there are many perspectives in an argument. And most people will argue their point, but a mediator should reflect back and listen to both perspectives and then, you know, make it understood to the other party what both perspectives are and then how we can come to, to an agreement where both parties are happy. And it is a, a much better approach it, it takes a bit of talent as a mediator to get people to, to that approach. But I always, I also find that individually I can help people with their inner conflict and to reconsider their judgment and blame and uh, their perspective of what and why that other person is the way they are. Yeah. Those are, those are wise words. And uh you know, I, with, with with time, I I I came to realize how like people that overcome challenges like tend to be or or become like wiser than average, and and you seem to confirm you know like I mean, that, this theory of mine, and so it's a, it's a good thing that you're sharing that with uh, with other people, particularly the young, so they can they can learn early and then like uh, live a more uh, serene life, you know, like with, with less aggressive thoughts. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because mm -hmm. as I 
started to lose more and more of my sight, I had to think differently. I had to learn to face adversity and had to learn to understand the way other people see me and what fears they, they perceive. And so I had to figure out how to, how to shift their mindset around that. So. Uh, Dagmar, I have, uh, like we're, we're, you're coming to a wrap, but I have one uh, last question and uh, it's a passion that we share. I, I heard you play chess and uh, I, 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 I like it too. You know, I played chess since I was a little kid and uh, How, how do you do it? You know, because you, I mean, you, obviously you can't see the board like that well, you know, like, and uh, do you use your peripheral vision or, or you memorize the, the number of each uh, square? Well, for many years, I use my peripheral vision and um, I visualize the strategy in my head. Now I'm not a world renowned chess player and I, I haven't played chess for a few years now because my vision has deteriorated more and I, I need, I use a partner or I need somebody to help move the, the players for me. But what, when I heard that podcast of one of the chess players, that was a world renowned player. I thought, heck, I can figure this out on my own. And all I have to do is, is perhaps get a, um, start out with a, a board that is that is um adapted, adapted. Mm -hmm. and and so um because i love to strategize and perhaps that's where i became more entrepreneurial because chess taught me to to strategize and to think ahead and to plan and to organize myself and so i contribute that to to my um knowledge of playing chess i think every young every person should learn to play chess yeah it's a great game no, I, i i agree with you I, i used to play as a kid and then i kind of stopped because of all, like other other goals in life but like uh, recently i started playing again and you know I, i make it a habit i think it's good for the mental health you know to mm -hmm. keep it active mm -hmm. absolutely yeah so, Uh, so Dagmar, thank you very much. Uh, I didn't disappoint. You know, I had a lot of fun like sharing with you. It's very inspiring. Everything you accomplished. Uh, thank you for sharing. Congratulations on everything you, 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 you've done in your life and like you, you're still young. So I'm sure there will be a lot more to come and hopefully like in the future, we could have you back. I would love that. Thank you very much for the, um, for the pleasure of, of meeting with you and speaking with you. And I, I believe that many blind individuals have so much um, ability and there is, I mean, they can do anything they desire if they just put their mind to it. Yeah, those are those are nice words to to, to end. So I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> thank, you. Uh, thank you very much, Dagmar. Have a good day. Take care. You bye. Bet. bye bye, Bruno. And that concludes today's episode of the Broad Eye Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. 
Of course, ratings and reviews are always welcome. And you can certainly share this episode with any of your colleagues or friends who might enjoy it. Thanks for listening.